Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Area News Group, it's the TK Show, and here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Hey everybody, it's Tim Kawakami here. It's Friday, April 14, no, no, April 17, I don't even know what day it is, the day before Game 1 of the Warriors Playoff Series against New Orleans Pelicans, and I am so happy to introduce my guest for today, the legendary, long-time, th- what, 30th year broadcaster for the Golden State Wars, Jim Barnett. Jim, welcome to the show today. Uh, I'm happy I'm on your show, and thanks for asking me. Uh, hey, just want to know, uh, first of all, when I was calling you yesterday, you were telling me you were on the phone with a very famous former warrior. Uh, who, who was that, and, and what kind of sense do you get from the former warrior, from the you know guys who've been around for a long time? What's their feelings about this team? Well, when I was talking to Rick Berry recently, you know, Rick thinks this is a, a team that can, and he thinks they will win the championship this year. I know that's a that's a big thing, but the the team that won it 40 years ago, 1975, and I've got a lot of friends and former teammates on that on that club, and they're just extremely positive, and they watch games, and they're amazed at Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and uh, everyone's impressed what Steve Kerr has done. So the, everybody's very very positive about it, but it's it's a long road. To, to an NBA championship, and first got to get through the West. Yeah, so how do you see this first round setting up? Uh, a lot of talk go, you know, for weeks as Oklahoma City. They're going to be so tough because they have Russell Westbrook, and we didn't know that Durant was going to be out. How do you view the Pelicans? Are they, are they a tricky matchup for the Warriors in any way? Well, I felt before it didn't matter who the Warriors played, honestly, whether it was Oklahoma City or New Orleans, that the Warriors aren't going to have a problem with the first round. Yeah. Now, you know, things can happen, but... Uh, without Kevin Durant, I just didn't think that Oklahoma City was going to be able to compete. And quite frankly, I use that little phrase that I use quite often. <laughs> famously. Yeah, famously. Yeah. I thought Oklahoma City was going to be in because I had, I, I just, in my wildest dreams, did not think that San Antonio was going to lose their last game to New Orleans because it meant a lot to them. They went from sure. second possibly to sixth. Yep. So they don't even have home court advantage anywhere. And But you've got to give New Orleans credit. They played extremely well when the Warriors were there just a little over a week ago and won a very close game, played really well in the second half, and then they, they came up big and won that game against San Antonio. So it, it may not be a breeze, but it also would not surprise me at all if it, it, it didn't go more than – if it went, you know, more than five games. Yeah. I, I think the Warriors are going to win it in five games. That's my prediction. Yeah. I mean, does Anthony Davis worry you? Or, or from what you – and he, but he played two of the games against the Warriors this year. From what you saw, do you think the Warriors can contain him maybe? Maybe not can't, can't control him, but can contain him. Uh, I think Anthony Davis is, is – I think he's as tough a matchup for the Warriors as any player in the league, mm-hmm. uh, maybe outside of LeBron James possibly, because – who can guard him? First of all, Andrew Bogut can't take him because he takes him out on the perimeter. He can knock down a jump shot. If you go out to play him, he's gonna he's got great footwork and ball handling ability. Um, he grew late in life, so he learned how to play as a, at a, at a smaller position, and he can go right around him and and score there, get him in foul trouble. And for Draymond Green, he's too big. Um, you know, Draymond does an incredible job with bigger people, but I believe this this task is monumental. And so I'm looking at other things. You don't want other people to beat you, and they have they have a lot of other players, and they're a very good three-point shooting team, and that's a dilemma there. Um, they matched the Warriors' three-point shooting down there on uh, that April 7th game when yeah. the Warriors lost by three. And so you, you've got to watch 
Eric Gordon. You've got to watch Tyreek Evans and what he can do, particularly in the open court, keep him out of the lane. He likes to drive. I'd love to keep him on the outside and not worry about his three-point shooting. But now they've got um, a point guard back and uh, who, who can play, and that's Drew Holiday. Sure. And, and so that's going to help them. So I, I think you've you know, you got to be cautious with this club. It's, you can't overlook them. But I still think I think the Warriors have beat them like 10 straight times uh, coming into that game that they lost. And you have to understand, too, that Anthony Davis didn't play in two of the games this year against the Warriors, the four games that they did play. Yeah. And those two games, he had like 29 and 10 and 30 and 15, something like that, about seven or eight blocks in those two games, too. So he's a heck of a basketball player, and it's not going to be easy. You've got to bring your A game. Steve Kerr's been saying that all along. We're just going to play our game and not worry about the opponent. Well, it's funny because people say, geez, the Warriors don't have the matchup for Anthony Davis. They don't have the matchup. I I say, who who does? What player in the league does match up with? Maybe Kevin Garnett from ten years ago, because this is a unique player. I mean, right? This is a this is a totally unique player in the NBA. Yes, he is. He's going to be. Uh, he'll be an MVP someday. There's no question about it. And he's got lots of skills, and um, and he, he's he's still extremely young. Yep. Um, you know, what is he? Twenty two years old now. Yep. I mean, he's, he's one year at Kentucky. He's twenty two years old. So. Uh, he's got a, a huge upside, as they talk about, but he, he can play right now. Yeah. But this is not a bad team. I mean, this is not a bad team. Uh, you know, Quincy Pondexter, <laughs> somebody you yeah. don't really know much about, yeah. killed the Warriors last time. He made four threes in that game, and he's shooting well the last couple of months. So you, that's that's the thing, Kim. There's always an X factor in, in, to me, in every playoff series. And who is going to be the X factor? Is it going to be someone like Quincy Pondexter, who helps them win one or two games and pull an upset like that? Or is it going to be, you know, someone from the Warriors? Is Maurice Spates going to start coming around and uh, like he was earlier in the year where he scored 16 straight points in Charlotte to open the fourth quarter and change a game like that in a game? He And he literally won the game in Oklahoma City uh, with his barrage in the fourth quarter for him. So those are guys that, you know, that are peripheral players, if you will, but all of a sudden – they can win a game for you in a big, big situation. Sure. I mean, I know the, the players and the team has to look at it one round, one game at a time, but it, if we can look down the road a little bit, what's the team out there that, that you've circled and saying, okay, we got, got to watch this one because that's the one that the Warriors going to maybe be the toughest matchup down the road for them? Well, if, if they meet San Antonio, how, how can you overlook San Antonio? They're the only team to beat the Warriors twice this year. Um, they they taught them a lesson a couple of weeks back down in San Antonio when the Warriors went in there and they weren't ready to play. And San Antonio is, they they are the defending champions. Um, But, you know, in a seven-game series, they're going to have to beat the Warriors four times. That means they're going to have to beat them one time at Oracle Arena. And so I I would still bet on the Warriors there. But the the Clippers, uh, the, the West is tough. I mean, you can't overlook anybody. I know they beat Houston four times this year, but that doesn't mean anything when you get to the playoffs. Um, they're going to be missing Patrick Beverly, who can who can cause problems for Steph Curry uh, defensively. But I look at that Portland-Memphis series, and I, I believe the Warriors can beat either one of those teams. They've proven they can beat Memphis <laughs> the last couple of times here, just blasted them at home. Portland, I you know, you have to worry about everybody, but... Seth Curry and Clay Thompson love to play against Portland. They love to play up in Portland. Yep. They've had tremendous games up there, and I don't expect that to change. So um, I, I would say the two toughest teams that they'd have to face would be San Antonio and the L.A. Clippers, one of those two teams. You know, I'm, I'm writing for tomorrow about when I first thought 
hey, this team could win the title, meaning the Warriors, obviously. And it was early for me. It was, it was game four against the Clippers. Jim, what would you, if you had to come up with that, when, when did you first say, hey, wow, this team is good enough to maybe take this all the way? Well, when they were, what were they, 21 and 2 at one point? <laughs> yep, yep. You know? And um, yeah, I never thought, I, first of all, I never thought about them going all the way. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I've been around too long to even think about that, um, you know, going all the way. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were good. And, and even now, I don't think about them going mm-hmm. all the way. I just think about, I, I, I'm more pragmatic with that because I've seen, things happened. I know it was eight or, eight or nine straight finals for the Los Angeles Lakers before they ever won a title. They kept losing to yeah, Boston every yeah. year when they moved, you know, back in 1960. Yes, Jerry West and, about those years, yeah. I, well, I know. That's, that's yeah. why I got that from him. I thought it was 10 <laughs> straight. He corrected me when we were having a little interview session at the arena a few weeks back. He said it was eight. But eight times they went to the finals before they ever yeah, won. Amazing. I mean, yeah. okay, so that tells you how tough it is. Um, now, there's no team like the Celtics of the 60s in there right now. That's not going to happen when they won eight straight championships. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. I, I do know that uh, Dallas won 50 or more games 10 straight years before they ever went to the finals. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. And, and so you, you, it's, it's a challenge. But I will say this. This is a special team. You don't do this with mirrors. They, they've won 67 games. Uh, they never lost more than two games in a row this year. Um, dominant at home. And that's very, very important right there. And their leader is Steph Curry, and he's a unique individual, you know, for a six-year player. Um, he's wise beyond his years, he's, and he's gotten so much better this year. That's what amazes me. Yeah, yeah. He was really good before, but he's gotten better, and he's gotten better this, in, in the calendar year 2015. He's doing things now, Tim, to me, that remarkable. I know how hard it is to be on the floor. I know how fast – how athletic these players are. I know how difficult it is to hold an average of over 20 points a game. I couldn't do it. I tried to do it one year, and I did it for a half a year. But even with a, a, a green light on a club that wasn't that good up in Portland, I couldn't do it. Um, it it's difficult. And he just he does it with ease. Missing, what, 17 or 18 games where he did not play in the fourth quarter, yep. he still averages you know, 23, 24 points a game. And his shooting percentage, when they know he's going to shoot, it's gone up three-point shooting uh, the last couple of months. And he makes it look easy, and he makes it look like everybody's in slow motion. He, he, can, he can determine the outcome of a play, a particular play, and, and the outcome of a quarter as he, as he plays along. He, he controls things. It's, it's pretty amazing. That's what the great ones do, and he's great. Now, how, do you think he's changed just, you know, we all know he's a, he's a really great guy. He has patience, unbelievable patience with the media and with fans. Have you say, seen seen any difference in him? I, I I think I've seen him become much more of a leader. You know, maybe not a vocal leader, but it just looks like everyone now on the team looks to Steph to take the lead. Yeah, absolutely. And you no, know, he's a quiet leader. He doesn't do it verbally. Uh, Steve Kerr addressed that. You were there a few games ago, where he said, you know, he's humble. He has humility. It's a rare quality to have someone like that. He's not going to be chirping like Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to lead by example. Um, you know, and, and they give him, you know, they, they give him, um, a lot of, um, leniency, if you will. They give him a long rope. He's going to throw the ball away once in a while because he just likes to try things because sometimes the game comes so easy to him. He just likes to challenge himself. And so he's going to try to make some of those plays. 
um, that are going to, going to once in a while result in a turnover. But I believe he's going to be more discerning and he's going to be more cautious and circumspect in the playoffs with some of those types of plays where, you know, when they, when they come down on a two on one, yeah, you might have the lob once in a while, but you want to make sure you, these are the playoffs yeah. and you can't squander your opportunity. So I think he's going to use a little more better judgment, uh, as far as his ball handling and the risk factor in the, in the plays that he will attempt to make. Well, Jim, 30 seasons, has this been the most enjoyable one from your point of view as a broadcaster? You know, I would say um, yes, of course, from the uh, from the factor. But I've enjoyed a lot of the seasons, and it's it's hard to remember going back at those thirty years and stuff. And I know we've had a lot of we had drought season after season after season. But um, I, I've been, I've always enjoyed everything, and this is a very special team. And I look at it very differently. I don't get I don't get too high. I don't get too low. Uh, I haven't been that exuberant. I was exuberant when Clay Thompson sure. scored 37 points in that third quarter against Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, because I was seeing history. It was quite a uh, moment. It was, it was quite a yep. moment, yeah. It's quite a moment, mm-hmm. yeah, special. And, you know, when Steph gets it going like that, and he's capable of, I, I never seen a guy score, you know, in bunches like he can. All of a sudden, he can score 14 or 15 points in a, in a, in a span of four minutes. And you go, how, how the heck can a guy do this? But, um, I, you know what? I'm I'm happy for the team because these individuals are. I look at things differently at, at my age and my experience, and I look at a bigger picture of who they are. You know what they're going to contribute to the world, mm-hmm. and and you know it's there. It, I'm happy for the fans because you know what? This is their team. Sure, it's the Golden State Warriors and Joe Lacob and Peter Guber own the team, but the fans. You know, it, it's just like my job. You've got to do it not just for yourself, but you do it for your fans. And these fans are deserving of that. They've hung in there for so many years. And so you look outside yourself. Um, and so I don't get caught up that this is my 30th year and finally I'm waiting in and I'm breathing a sigh of relief and everything like that. To me, they've been successful already. No matter what happens, I'm going to be proud of this team. I'm, I'm, I'm really just so rooting for them as individuals because of the kind of character that they have. If, if there's a disappointment, and, and, and I think anytime you go into the second round and beyond, uh, it's not gonna, no matter what happens, it's not going to be a disappointment. But if there was some disappointment and they got knocked off in the third, first round, which would be hugely disappointing, I would feel not sorry for me, but I'd feel sorry first for the team, secondly for the fans. Um, because I just look at things, my perspective has changed through the years. Yeah, you know, but you talk about the fans, you, you, you talk about them going through the season. Obviously, you know, uh, the fans rose up and supported Jim Barnett last year, uh, and yep. it yep, was it was really really heartwarming. I thought um, because they just spoke. You know, no one queued him up to speak. No one said, "Hey, you know, let's have a parade for Jim Barnett." They just did it when they heard that you know last year was going to be your last year. Is what that was what the team announced, and you announced that too. But for them, for the for the fans to bring you back is really what happened. Uh, for them to bring you back. And for you to go through the season, what has that meant to you to, to go through every day, knowing the fans really kind of just said, hey, we want this guy still to be announcing these games? I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. I'm very grateful. I'm very honored by that. And I'm also very humbled by that, Tim. And it means a great deal to me. And then so many fans, every game come up, different ones, and say the same thing and say, gee, we're glad you've, you've come back and we're glad to have you here. And I read my Twitter account, 
And, you know, there was a recent story by Sam Laird oh, yes. in, in Mashable. Very good story. Gone. Very good story. Very good story. It's a fabulous yeah. story, and it kind of sums everything up. And they did a, a professional job. He and Sam uh, Wilson, who was the photographer, and came out to my house and did that. And, of course, I, I didn't realize how big that site was and how, <laughs> how it's, you know, I, I got a I got a shout-out from the uh, Oregon men's basketball program. And I, and they said, you know, one of our hall of famers, great story and so forth, so on. And then I look at, look who they are and they've got 30,000 followers. And I said, gee, there's potential 30,000 people could read. Not everybody's going to read that obviously, but it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's very uh, heartwarming in, in this day and age. And I love my job. That's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I can't play the game anymore. I can't jump and run and do those things, but I can, I, I still know the game. Um, and my brain works just as well as it did 30 years ago. And um, I really enjoy, and I have a natural enthusiasm. I'm blessed with that. I've always been naturally enthusiastic, uh, everything I do. And, and and I've been a basketball junkie. I look, I, I, You know, the only disappointment I have with basketball is I can't play anymore at <laughs> age 70 because my knees are bothering me so much and I can't go play with my friends yeah. who, who go all over the world and they're going to be, playing in Florida this year and wow. they're going to be going over to Europe and playing in a tournament, you know, and, and, and now we're the young guys because we're the 70 to 74 group <laughs> and these guys are still playing. And they, I play with two of them at university of Oregon and they're, they're fortunate they can still do that. And that's my only re- regret is I, I can't go and play myself in the off season. Well, well, I'll just say, as many people know, as I tweet often while watching games, thank God for Jim Barnett. Um, well, I, I, I do I appreciate, appre- that, I appreciate it. I appreciate your your energy, your balance, your perspective uh, throughout all these games. And and I think again, you know, that's what was just a natural response from fans when they thought you weren't going to be there anymore. Was oh no, this 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 man has to keep broadcasting Warriors games. And it was wonderful to see last year. It's wonderful that the season has turned out like this for every for Warriors fans. We'll see what happens in, in the future. But Jim, are you, you coming back next year? Right, you're going to do the broadcast next year. I, I would. I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, yes, and I've got a contract, although our contracts aren't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did sign a multi-year contract prior to this season, Great. and uh, I, I plan on doing it. You know, as, as long as. Well, as I don't get any dementia, I, go, I, yeah. I shouldn't joke about those things. But, you know, as long as I can keep doing it um, physically and mentally, there's no reason uh, to change anything. If, if the Warriors decide to do something different, then, you know, they're, they're you know, you, I'm, I'm an employee mm-hmm. and, and I'm a good, I'm an old school employee. Yep. So change, change is going to happen and change isn't always bad. And they can, change can be really good for, for lots of people. And I'm going to endorse no matter what happens in the future. I'm going to endorse um, my employer, uh, who are the Golden State Warriors, no matter what. You know, and, and so it's um, it, it's a good ride, and, and I want to continue on, on the ride. I want to continue on the truck. And I, 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 I have to say, I didn't say this before, it would have been very tough to have missed this season yeah. and see this team. <laughs> that would have been yeah. – it, it, like it was so disappointing for me to go to the New Orleans Jazz back in 1974-75 season when I left the Warriors, and then they won the championship. Mm-hmm. That was very disappointing. It would have been the same kind of feeling to sit back and have, you know, have to sit and watch and listen to somebody else call this great season that this young group has put together. That's a great point, and I think Warriors fans would have been really, you know, frustrated by that also. I'll, I'll point that out, and I say these things because I mean them. I don't say them just because you're on the show. You know that, Jim. Uh, oh, no, no, yeah. I know, Tim. Look, I think, you know, 
I, I think you reveal yourself. You, you've known me for 30 years. Mm-hmm. You have been, you know, the truth and and the true nature of someone is going to come through on the broadcast. And 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 I like that because when I when I go around and and you know out in my neighborhood or anywhere I go in city San Francisco, Oakland, Walnut Creek, whatever it may be, you know, people come up to me and they feel like they know me. Yep because they feel comfortable with me on the broadcast. And to me, that's probably the best best quality that I could ever, you know, have is familiarity and someone feel comfortable in your presence when they, and they've never met me. And, they, and so I get a lot of people coming up to me, and it's very, very nice. And, and I, I've always been gregarious anyway. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. my dad was in the Air Force. We moved all over the place. I went to one school in first grade, another for second and third, another for fourth. Moved to California, went to another one in fifth grade. I went to another one in sixth grade, and so I always had to make new friends, yeah. and it's always been easy for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's that kind of shaped my personality uh, as a youngster. That's interesting. Uh, one question I'm going to ask you: I know you always talk about the shoes, the shoes slip, the the the, the uh, what the middle part of the sole is is slipping, and, I, and it totally makes sense. Have you heard from any manufacturer or any player that that agrees no. with you, and they're going to change this? Well, l- let me just say this: first of all, I'm a pretty rational individual. <laughs> And the, the the shoes they're making them, and it's the truth. And just watch people slip. They yep. slip all the time. Yep. L- go back and look at the clip of DeMar DeRozan when he strained his groin this year. He looked like he was on ice. And what it is, it's, it's very simple, and it is a fact. And you can ask Steph Curry because he changed his Under Armour shoes because of my recommendation. Mm-hmm. He was slipping all over the place, and I said, here's why, Steph. Your rubber does not come up on the heel area, primarily on either side of the heel. It doesn't come up high enough. It only comes up an eighth of an inch an eighth of an inch, and now you've got a little bulging out to the side of synthetic, which is basically plastic. And I said, that doesn't grip. And so he's, and I said, you've got to bring up, and they changed his shoes. Wow. So they, they corrected his shoes initially a couple of years ago. And you look at, and, and I've seen all these Nikes, and I know Phil Knight. I feel like talking to Phil Knight sometimes. If I, in fact, if I ever see him person to person, I'd usually see him once a year at a football game. And I didn't mention this year. I didn't see him there when I went to an Oregon game. But uh, the, the, to me, the Nikes, and there are several players on the Warriors team that wear these, you'll see, and just go look at them in the locker room, and you'll see the rubber comes up maybe 16th of an inch, an eighth of an inch, mm-hmm. and then it's synthetic. And you, you get an edge. You, you, you don't play flat-footed. You don't jump around flat-footed. Yep. You have to turn the corner. You get an edge. And, you know, I, I will say this. Andre Iguodala slipped in Memphis, the game we played there a few weeks back. He went for a reverse dunk, and he slipped, and he thought he got pushed in the back. He thought there was a foul. He missed the dunk. And it's because of his shoes. And I, I know it sounds uh, anal, and, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's, it's a simple little fact. They're trying to make the shoes lighter. Yep. And so they make less rubber and more of the synthetic, plastic, if you will. And it's an old derivative, derivative product sometimes. But just go check it out, and it just makes sense. I agree. And I Steph, agree. Just talk to Seth Curry and say, and ask him the truth. They, they changed those shoes because you know, I said, here's why. It was, uh, you know, it was deductive reasoning. It's pretty simple. And he's going to win the MVP. So there you go. <laughs> hey, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> I think he is. Hey, Jim, I, I, I'm going to ask you a general question. Uh, I ask everybody. Uh, sometimes we get some – we usually always get great answers. What, what's your favorite restaurant? Ooh. You know, I don't have a favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't. Um, I, go, I go a lot because I like the people there. Mm-hmm. It's changed through the years. It's now called Original Joe's okay. in San Francisco sure, at sure. Washington Square. Yep. And um, I, I like it there. I like Jared Brown. He's one of the young managers. Mm-hmm. And um, I, they're, they're, 
they're, they're just good people over there. And so I feel comfortable going there. But I go all over the city. And I live in Orinda. Yeah. And, you know, I like to drive. And I like to tell you, too, I like to drive fast. I always have. And, and um, that's just kind of my MO and stuff. And so I always see I can get to the city. Sometimes if there's no traffic, I can get to the city in 19 minutes. Wow. And I get off there, and, and I drive like a taxi driver through the streets, whether I'm going up Pine Street, California, wherever it may be. And I, I just go to a lot of different restaurants. I also frequent the East Bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've got my, you know, my daughter and granddaughter live five miles away. So I eat in Lafayette with them a lot of times. They have a place called Chow. It's, it's very uh, family-friendly, okay. if you will. And uh, there's a new restaurant called the Coop Reach in Lafayette. And I, I know the gentleman that uh, runs that because um, his father is Bill McCormick, who started McCormick and Schmicks. And I knew knew Bill up in Oregon when he just had one restaurant in Portland when when I was just out of college and stuff. So um, I go there, but I go to a lot of restaurants in Walnut Creek and, and you know know some of the young bartenders. And sometimes there are several bartenders I get to know a little bit. They're, these guys are 26 years old. Yeah. And I give them tickets to games sometimes. That's fantastic. It's, like it's fun. you're an so, ambassador, Jim. You're an ambassador. Well. well I, you know what? I, I look at things, as I said, my perspective has changed. And, you know, life is a lot shorter for me right now than, than the normal people and you know, like you, Tim. And so you look at things and it's fun. And I want, it's an adventure and I want to take advantage of it. And so uh, I, I enjoy a, a lot of aspects of my life and stuff. And when I get off the phone here, I'm going to go on a bike ride on my road bike. Fantastic. Well, Jim... Listen, we've taken more enough time, but uh, fantastic talking to you. I'm sure, well, I will see you tomorrow uh, and many okay, days Jim. after that. But thank you very much for, for appearing on the show, and, and we will talk to you hopefully again at some point down the road. I appreciate it very much, Tim. Thank you. All right, you. Jim, thank you very much. Everybody, that was Jim Barnett, the very, very iconic figure in Warriors history, 30-year analyst, and hopefully many, many, many more years than just 30 uh, that's going to be the show for right now. It's episode one. We'll have another episode coming up in a little bit. But, Paul, that's the show for today. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.